0: Are you a nonprofit professional who's feeling overwhelmed and burnt out? Well, welcome to the Lead with Heart podcast. I am your host, Haley Cooper. On this podcast, we will share stories of leadership, courage, and empathy that will help you learn to take care of yourself, your staff, organization, and community. You will hear from nonprofit leaders who have been in your shoes and have learned best practices to raise more revenue and make a greater impact. Let's thrive together. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Lead with Heart podcast. This is your host Haley Cooper, and I am so excited today to have Cindy Wagman calling in from Toronto, Canada, across the country and in another country. But I am so excited to have her here. She is someone that I look up to as a nonprofit consultant. And if you don't follow her at the end of the show and in the show notes, you'll figure out how to follow her with everything. But I'm really excited for this conversation today. She serves nonprofits and nonprofit consultants. And she's the founder of the Fractional Fundraising Movement that connects small nonprofits and the fractional fundraisers that serve them. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So welcome, Cindy.
1: Thank you so much for having me and thanks for the kind words. I always love starting with this question,
0: like what's your background in nonprofits and why have you now decided to shift to supporting nonprofit consultants?
1: Yeah. So my background in the nonprofit space goes back to high school where I volunteered at a local organization. And then I didn't really know you could, that this was like a career path. But when I was in university in my undergrad, one summer I met two professional fundraisers. I was like, oh, that's really cool. I want to do that. So I actually decided... I think it was the summer between second and third year university that I wanted to be a fundraiser. And in my fourth year, I wrote a thesis on feminist fundraising, which was interesting. But so it's always been who I am. And since then I'd been a fundraiser until very recently. So I worked in house in many organizations. Eight years ago, I started my own consulting business doing fundraising and helping reluctant fundraisers. But over the time in building my business, I discovered that there's this whole sort of gap of resources available to other nonprofit-serving consultants where there's tons of things that we learn and courses we do and, and coaching that we invest in, but most of them don't understand Nonprofits as clients. And that's just different. So I shifted to do this work. And now I do it in two buckets. One is coaching people on building their business. But the one I think we're going to be talking more about today is I've created this fractional fundraising movement and looking at fractional fundraisers and speaking more broadly about fractional executives as a way to help small organizations achieve their dreams with less budget. So, yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. And I just love that this is a part of who you are and you really niche down to find this source of need within our nonprofit field. And I know that when you reached out to me, we all know this, and I was just listening to a podcast yesterday. And especially now when I'm talking to CEOs, like it's really hard to find and retain staff but find quality staff. And some people I've talked to have been like, I'm hiring directors of development that have never talked to donors. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, how are people like that's your job as a fundraiser? And that just doesn't click. And retaining fundraisers is so hard. And the podcast I was listening to is like this 18 month of turnover has been consistent for many years. It's not just in this great recession, great resignation. It's it's Been an ongoing thing and high turnover is high cost fundraising. And we all know our boards do not like high cost things. So I would love to know. I guess the first question I have is as I'm learning this term, like what does a fractional executive or fractional fundraiser mean?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about the genesis of how we started doing this work and then what it means because I think it, the context helps explain it. So The reason we never, I didn't used to call it fractional fundraising. We called it done for you fundraising. And this came out of my own experience in the sector. So I remember being in my first fundraising job right out of university. I was the only fundraiser in a very small organization and I was successful, but I spent a lot of time doing things that led nowhere, right? So I was an inexpensive hire because I was junior and didn't have as much experience, but I was also very inefficient. So all the things that I did, and oftentimes it would be like executive directors, there were co-directors like, oh, we should do this. We should do that. Or the board and fundraising committee saying, like making projects where projects didn't need to exist. Let's sell holiday cards. Let's write a letter to Oprah. We need, we've all done something like that. I've been there, yeah. Yeah. And so I was a pushover. And it's not just me, junior or inexperienced fundraisers, if they don't have the experience to be confident in their perspective, they get pushed around a lot in organizations. And that kind of leads leads to them leaving and not being successful in raising the money they need. And Mm -hmm. so that was one of the problems I was solving for. There has to be a better way for small organizations to attract talent that is more experienced and and has that to stand on so that strategically they're spending their time doing the right things. And then on the other hand, we found that small organizations when they would hire a consultant to do things, give them advice or write a fundraising plan, they didn't have anyone to implement the plan. And then it just became money down the toilet. So these were like two paths to the same outcome, which is like throwing more money at this fundraising problem without any results. And so this led to us doing this done-for-you fundraising, which is now what we call fractional fundraising, which is basically you are hiring someone. And this is true for all fractional executives. So you can have a fractional fundraiser, a fractional chief marketing officer, fractional HR, fractional finance. All those functions can be outsourced to fractional executives where they're bridging that gap between the strategic oversight and expertise with some of the day-to-day implementation. And so you're getting a fraction of that person's time for a fraction of what you would be able to afford of them otherwise, right? So these are director level people and you can afford them for about the cost of what you would hire that person right out of school. And because they have 10, 15 years experience doing all the things, they're highly efficient. So they're going to get you focused on the right things and they're going to be doing the implementation of those things because it's not just about what you no, it's about doing it consistently. So that's the idea with fractional executives is really just being able to stretch or manipulate your budget to get someone who has more experience, but you don't need as much of their time because they've done this for many years.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much for clarifying that and giving the context because I have had many experiences mostly my whole career, except for one or two organizations where I was the only fundraiser and I was doing all the things. And it's really stressful, especially I was right. My second job after I founded a nonprofit, it was my first fundraising job. And it was like planning a gala, doing major gift fundraising, Mm -hmm. grant writing. And I was learning on the fly, which I guess (laughs) I'm good at doing, but I would love to know what's the difference between because I'm a consultant and coach, what's the difference between a fractional executive and a consultant? What are the different yeah.
1: differences in services? So I would say, again, fractional executives are usually there for a little bit longer, and they're coming in with that hybrid of the strategic oversight and the day-to-day implementation. And I would say they're more generalists. So... You're going to look for a fractional executive if you're you're like, I just need someone who can manage the whole program, right? As opposed to, I really need a consultant to write grants, or I need a consultant to run our direct appeals and who's going to do the right. Those are projects and those are great. And there's amazing consultants who do projects, project work, or who are very specific in how they can help whereas the executive or the fractional executive is not is coming in and saying we have to decide what we need and then I'm going to do it as opposed to an organization saying I need this and I need to find someone to do it so they that's the strategic site and a coach to me is someone who's guiding the organization so where there is someone in house who has the capacity to do the work day in and day out, but they need to do it more effectively and with some guidance. And coaches are incredible resources for organizations to level up their staff, right? It's a capacity building investment where you are transforming the the capabilities of your internal team. I see fractional executives as like a bridge between We don't have the capacity in house. We'd like to at some point get that capacity in house, but we're too small right now, or we just don't have the budget to get the right level of hire that we need in house. And so this kind of bridges that.
0: Hey there, podcast family. If you're like me and deeply committed to improving your leadership skills and fostering better connections with your team, I've got something truly amazing to share with you. I'm proud to introduce the EMC Masterclass, something I talk about often as a certified trainer. It's an incredible program developed by the renowned Dr. Lola Gershfeld, an organizational psychologist and corporate emotional connection expert. You might remember her from a podcast episode where she shared invaluable insights into the world of emotional connection. Dr. Gershfeld's EMC Leaders courses are designed for anyone working with people, whether you're a manager, supervisor, team leader, educator, coach, mentor, or a team member. This program is truly for everyone looking to enhance their communication and collaboration skills to raise more revenue for their mission. Now, let me tell you why the EMC Masterclass is a game changer. Dr. Gershfeld's Groundbreaking emotional connection process has been integrated into top universities curriculum and recognized by international organizations like ICF, HRCI, and SHRM. Humans are wired to seek emotional safety, and when we feel safe, we're more likely to take risks, share innovative ideas, and collaborate effectively. The EMC process is the catalyst for creating that emotional safety within your team. The Virtual EMC Masterclass consists of eight modules with four hours of expertly recorded material, 13 quizzes to reinforce your learning, and a workbook filled with activities for offline practice and something I still refer to daily. Ready to become an Emotional Connection Master? Dr. Gershfeld is offering an exclusive detail for our podcast listeners. Use the code LEADWITHHEART to enjoy a generous 10% discount on the EMC masterclass. Head over to emcleaders.com and enroll in the EMC masterclass today. Thank you so much for explaining that. I'm learning so much on this chat. Can you share some like real-world examples of organizations that have benefited from this type of work, particularly yeah. like you said in terms of high-level strategy and then the day-to-day implementation?
1: Absolutely. I'll talk about fundraising because that's where a lot of my experience has been. So we have worked with a number of organizations where one we worked with for about three years and fundraising by about 20% each year. So year over year, 20%. So at the end was probably close to double what they were raising. And it was an organization where the executive director was just so busy, just so overwhelmed. Like typically I'd suggest meeting weekly with our clients, but she was too busy. She's like, every other week is fine. I knew that if I needed her to sign off on a document, that I had to bring that document to our meetings and sit there while she read it to approve it because she wasn't going to look at it between our meetings. Like she was that busy. We all know executive directors like that, right? Like they get burnt out super fast. So yeah, we worked with this organization. We first always start with a fundraising plan because a lot of organizations, to my point before about the churn, is if they're at this stage in their fundraising growth where they have some revenue, it's not optimized, they don't have the strategy. And typically they're focused on the wrong things. So we always start with a plan or an assessment and through that with this organization, we focused on annual giving, medium gifts. So, trying to build a community of donors at that sort of mid level giving. We did some grant writing and supported their event. So, I typically say fundraising events are a bit of a different skill set and a different beast, and not always. A good investment for organizations, but this was a legacy event. They had an event planner. So we just supported with some of the asks around the event. So that three years, they got to a point where they outgrew our ability to serve them and we recommended hiring someone. Another organization we've worked with, I think they, their fundraising ROI went from like 100 and something percent to 500 and something percent, like just huge growth, just because we were able to come in and cut out a lot of fundraising activities and double down on the things that were successful. So for them, it was like grant writing and indi- like individual appeals, stop doing an event, all this other stuff we just stopped doing. And just by focusing on those things and doing them really well and consistently. Their fundraising grew significantly and their cost of fundraising went down. So also a good win.
0: The revenue goes up 20%, the costs go down. Yeah, That's a win in my book and getting rid of fundraising events. (laughs) I know. I know.
1: I have seen fundraising events that work for organizations, but if you don't already have a legacy one, I almost never recommend doing a big gala type event. So that's a whole other conversation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The anti galas. So, I want to ask this question of like, how does the role of a fractional executive contribute to organizational growth and transformation? And what are some of the key challenges that they might face in this unique capacity as being a part of the organization, but also in a different capacity?
1: Yeah. So, okay. So, this one I feel is pretty straightforward or clear because the organization's really able to play at a higher level with whatever the fractional executive is focused on. So you're able to bring in a level of experience and understanding that would otherwise be completely unaffordable. And so once you start to operate from a perspective where you have that knowledge and expertise within the organization it affects like your decisions, your focus, everything moves towards that level of experience and expertise. And so again, it's meant to be a bit of a a bridge to we don't know what we're doing to like, oh, we have a robust fundraising program. Now we can bring in someone who we can afford at a higher level because we are raising more money, we have track record, we've built our systems. All these things It really allows an organization to grow in a way that I just haven't seen with inexperienced in-house staff. If your organization is in a position where you can hire a director level full-time, chances are you're going to want to do that because your workload probably requires it. But it really is this transformation of, or maturity almost, of your program. And again, this is true fundraising. It's also true of marketing, h r, all those things. like you're maturing the way that your organization approaches these functions. And then, in terms of the challenges, I would say, from an organizational perspective, the biggest challenge is just like understanding that you don't this is not quite a staff person. So very often, the way our brains are designed is like we Look at new things and we categorize it as something we already are familiar with. And so often when I'm talking about fractional executives, you're like, what is that? So it's a staff person, so it's a consultant. Our nature is to try and understand it in the context of what we already know. And it's new, it's still emerging. I think it's growing in our sector and not just in our sector in the for profit space, but I think a lot of organizations struggle with understanding the expectations and really trusting that they might be used to micromanaging someone and now you're bringing someone who's going to get the work done but also doesn't need that level of management it's also very hard for organizations that are small to let go of some things because we are used to doing all the things ourselves and it's really scary to trust other people from The other perspective, the challenges that the fractional executive might have that I've seen with our network, we have a network of about 25 fractional fundraisers, and I've trained about 30 of them. Some of them have grown their businesses to other things. The biggest challenge I see is that because we go in and we do day to day implementation, sometimes it's easy for the organization to forget that they also have that strategic lens that they're not used to. And so it's very easy for an organization to just start delegating stuff. And I always remind our fractional fundraisers, you're the expert. So if the organization is pushing back on you, we need to change this, or I don't want to do these, there's always things that are like, can you also do this scope creep kind of things that the fractional fundraiser is the expert and has almost like an obligation or duty to the organization to push back in those times. Because that's the promise is you're not going to go down the wrong paths, right? You are going to bring that expertise and help the path of the organization's fundraising.
0: Yeah, and I think sometimes that outside perspective and really having that strategic vision is important for organizations that are so bogged down in the day-to-day work that they forget to come up for air and like plan for the future. And then once you plan for the future, you get the, no, where are the resources? Like, how do I do this? Like, I need, I can't do this. I need someone. And I think that's so beneficial, like you said, for a fractional executive to come in with their expertise and be able to offer both. Yeah. And get that breath
1: of fresh air. <laughs> yeah. But it takes patience to see the change in organizations from both sides, right? Because we are creatures of habit, right? Humans are creatures of habit. So it's very easy for us to fall back into habits that we are used to or way of working that we're used to, especially when we're used to doing it all ourselves. And so it, it definitely, what I typically see is it takes organizations like six to eight months To really find their groove in working with a fractional executive, but it's a long term relationship, right? Typically, I would say three, four years is a good amount of time to really benefit from that relationship and working with a fractional executive in the same way that we want longevity for our fundraisers, right? If we can minimize that churn, it's only gonna work out better for the organization.
0: Yeah. I think that's such a good point that it it is a long-term relationship. And I think even in just fundraising, I was talking to someone who has only been three months in their organization as a director of development. She's, I haven't seen any results yet. And I'm like, but it takes time. Relationships take time and you have to build that trust and that rapport, whether it's with your client, the fractional executive, or your donor. You want to see results overnight, but it takes time. And the hard work that you're putting in will pay off.
1: Yeah. And fundraising is one of those, in particular, one of those areas where we know it takes time. There is enough evidence out there that people do not decide to make gifts right up front. It takes time to build that relationship. And especially if you have a gap in your hiring or staffing of that function, that sets the organization back. So it definitely takes time. I actually recommend for fractional fundraising to start with a 12-month contract because that is required in order for the organization to really start to see the benefit of the model. And I gave you the sort of two examples of how the problems I saw that led to this solution, and both of those were just money down the toilet. And if you end this kind of relationship too quickly, it's just leads to more money down the toilet. And so you definitely want, again, any fractional executive, you want to be able to see cycles, see growth, and really look at it as a long-term investment to change the way it feels from, oh, we need a quick win to this is transformational. This is changing our organization and how we do things and our capacity for further growth.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that because with turnover, donors notice, and then it takes a whole another eight months to a year when you lose a fundraiser to build those relationships again. And so that consistency is so key to making a greater impact
1: on your mission.
0: What skills and qualities are essential for a professional to thrive as a fractional executive?
1: So I would say, obviously, subject matter expertise, knowing, and I would say within your field, like being a generalist so that you can come with the approach to make those strategic decisions. So in fundraising, I look for fundraising generalists. Comfort with rolling up your sleeves. A lot of it is like detailed work just because you are doing the implementation. And so... I actually have a like consultant personality quiz on my website, cindywagman.com slash quiz. There's sort of four areas. Fractional executives is just one, right? There's agency models where I see there's some amazing agencies out there and you get to work with colleagues and you have your very specific subject matter expert. There's coaches, which is another area, right? People, again, going back to what I was saying before in terms of Building the organizational capacity to do things and then thought leaders, and they're coming in with a very specific, here's the best way to do this. And they have a very deep and narrow subject matter expertise that they can teach and help other people know and understand. So, I'll give a great example. And actually this is a bit of a hybrid, but my friend, John Lepp, he's one of the partners at agents of good, which is an agency and they operate as a small agency, but he's also an expert. He wrote a book called creative deviations, which is all about direct appeal and design and that expertise, like he can come in and work with organizations in that very specific area, really deeply. And I want to say transformatively. So yeah, expert agency coach and ex- a fractional executive are the the four ones, and everyone has something that they're more aligned to. But I find if you're for fractional, typically you like the strategy, but you also like the implementation. You have a generalist knowledge, and you like to work with organizations long term. Right?
0: Yeah. And I think we're mostly talking about fundraising I know that you can because I'm a fundraiser too, but I know you do HR marketing, all of that but as a fundraiser our generalist unless you're like very specific major gift officer, but I've worn all the hats done all the things so yeah, generally you have to have a little idea
1: of all of all it. the things, although you'd be surprised so because I too have the same experience where we've done all the things, right and there's two angles to this. One is just because we can do it doesn't mean we want to do it. And I want to hold space for that recognition that I know a lot of people who just because they can write a grant doesn't mean they want to write a grant, right? If you're fractional, you don't get to narrow that down very much because you're doing what the organization needs and is in the best interest of the organization. So if you want to be just like a major gifts coach or subject matter expert, like that's great. You can have the capacity to do all the things, but it doesn't mean you have to do all the things. So I have a lot of friends who pick a niche even within fundraising because that's what they really love doing, but that doesn't lend itself to fractional, especially for small organizations, maybe for larger ones. And the other part is I've worked with people. Like I worked with someone who was a fundraiser. Their background was major gifts, but then they were given the job of managing an annual fund and they got the appeal letters back from the direct appeal, like the agency that was writing them. And the agency had all the standard direct appeal, blah, blah, blah. And then PS and my colleague who again didn't have a background in annual giving, but had a strong background in fundraising. She edited out the PS She's, I don't want a PS. And I was like, clearly, and this is for anyone who doesn't know direct appeal, like the PS is one of the only parts of the letter that people actually read. And so just because you have a fundraising background, there are gaps for people, especially if you come from bigger institutions. I do find people from, I actually really love working with people from small organizations because they're scrappy and they've done everything and they will just make things work. But if you come from a large institution, chances are you specialized way sooner and have more specific knowledge and less general knowledge.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And thank you so much for holding space for the generalists. I've learned that over my own consulting business. And you've seen my journey to really niching down where my first year I was like, I'll do it all because I can. And I didn't enjoy it. And then my husband reminded me like, you're a consultant now, you don't have to, you get paid to do what you want to do. And I was like, oh, that's that's a good reminder. Like I get to choose a niche down and play a little bit
1: as a consultant, which has been fun. Yeah. And our sector needs both, right? We actually, there's so much need for generalists and there's so much need for specialists. It's just different organizations at different phases in their growth and meeting organizations where they are. But that's the beauty of consulting is you get to choose. You get to actually figure out what is most aligned with what you want and the impact you want to have on organizations.
0: Yeah, and I think that's so great about like the network that you've built as well, because you can pinpoint like what an organization needs and then place the right person yeah. in contact with them so that their needs are being met and the fractional executive or consultant or coach whatever it may be is doing what they love as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I call myself a matchmaker because I get to, I get a lot of organizations coming to me looking for help. And because I have this network and and just know so many consultants, I really get to help everyone fulfill their needs and match. So it's kind of fun.
0: I like that. You're like the online dating matchmaker nowadays. I don't even know what's out there, but that's what you are for nonprofits. I love it. You mentioned one of the challenges that nonprofits and fractional executives can face are effectively integrating into the team. And like, it can feel as a fundraiser, I felt like I'm on my own leadership Mm -hmm. island anyways, but I think especially as a consultant, you're like a bunch removed from the mission Mm -hmm. and the team. And it's that you mentioned like that hard, like Where do I fit into this team dynamic? So how can organizations effectively integrate them into their teams and processes to realize that transformational change? Yeah.
1: So there's a couple ways. One is to see this role as part of the team, which means not only meeting with your fractional executive when you have your designated meetings, but actually there might be some staff, all staff meetings where they can join you or leadership meetings where they can join you. Typically with our fractional fundraisers, I recommend, especially in the first six to eight weeks of working with a client, I recommend that they do a site visit, they meet in person. There is, even though we've gotten used to everything virtual, I do think there is something to be said about being face-to-face And so typically I would say that's a good opportunity to build those relationships. And the other part is not just getting to know one person, usually the executive director at an organization. So part of the onboarding that I've trained all the fractional fundraisers in is donor meetings and staff meetings, right? So actually getting to meet with some of the other staff, understanding the programming, really learning about the organization. I find if you do the first six to eight weeks well, you set yourself up to require less time on those relationships and managing them over the future. But it's really helpful for the organization at the beginning and for the fundraiser to understand how decisions are made, what the programs are, who to involve in different things. And so to me, that's a really critical uh, time.
0: I think across the board, even if you're just starting a new job, yes. those first six to eight weeks, and especially as a fundraiser, because we all know this is a whole nother conversation about silos and organizations and how mm-hmm. program and finance and all of them don't talk. And so I think across the board, if you are starting a new fundraising job, making relationships with other staff members. Oh, it, yeah critical.
1: Yeah. And actually that's where this, my methodology came from my experience being a staff member and seeing what allowed me to be successful in those early days. As you said, those relationships are everything. So there are definitely some things that are similar to being in-house.
0: Yeah, definitely. So as we wrap up, I would love to know, do you have any other advice for either or nonprofits that are seeking fractional executives or a person that is a fractional executive? Yeah.
1: So it is for nonprofits. It is a hard market to find staff right now. And I, especially for small organizations, we all get the budget constraints, right? It's real. Now, Obviously we can talk a lot about scarcity versus abundance and investing in your staff and all of those other really important conversations that need to happen. But at the end of the day, you have, you're working with what you have. And if you want to stretch that budget and especially in functions where you don't have internal expertise. So again, these are growth areas where pretty much you can bring in people to do very many different kinds of functions, but fractionals, I think, allow you to stretch that budget or fill a gap that you have been really struggling to fill in your staff, which I've seen a lot these days. It's just a really great opportunity to grow your organization really intentionally. But like I said, I find that it works really well with functions. You don't have capacity or expertise around in house i don't think you need a fractional exec like a fractional fundraiser if you have a director of development already right it's to replace those roles or temporary fill those roles do fundraisers or other people who are thinking about consulting or becoming fractional executives i would say that It's a really interesting time right now. I find a lot of people are starting to think about consulting and it feels very overwhelming and exciting, but going out on your own is scary. What I like about the fractional model is that even if it's not all of your work, if you have one or two fractional clients, they're long-term retainer-based clients. And so it gives you a lot of financial stability to, to start consulting in a less- risky way, which is also what I love about it. So yeah, I I think there's a lot of opportunity still untapped in the sector for fractional executives. And I'm really excited to see how organizations take advantage of it and how people look at this as an opportunity to give them the work and life that they want to design. Yes. I love that.
0: And before I ask people where they can find your matchmaking services, I love asking this question as last question is what's bringing you joy right now?
1: Oh my goodness. It is my clients. Like I love working with other consultants. I see the baggage we bring from working in the nonprofit sector and the transformation. We can shake some of that baggage, shake the scarcity, shake the shoulds and really understand that we get to design what we want to design for our business and our life, it's it's like a breakthrough. We're not used to thinking like that in our sector. So that's bringing me a lot of joy. I'm really having fun and I love seeing other people's success.
0: Oh, I love that. You're building up other people and building up the nonprofit space. So just making greater change in the world overall.
1: Thanks.
0: Well, where can people find your matchmaking and now therapy?
1: Yeah. <laughs> services? So for anything fractional fundraising, go to thegoodpartnership.com. You can learn how to become a fractional fundraiser or how to find a fractional fundraiser. If you are a consultant who doesn't want to be a fractional fundraiser, but wants to do something else, you can visit me at cindywagman.com. And again, that's com slash quiz. You can figure out what kind of nonprofit consultant Is best suited to your personality.
0: Well, thank you. And we'll link all of that in the show notes. And just thank you so much, Cindy, for being on this podcast. I have learned, like I said, so much from this conversation and just you overall, I look up to you and I'm just so grateful that you reached out and wanted to have this chat.
1: Thank you so much. And for creating this really important space to have these conversations.
0: If you have valued these stories or learned something from what you've heard, please share this podcast episode or follow me on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for your support. And together we can build a better community and world.